Welcome to the Cashflow Legends Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Brandon, and Brock. Remember, our insights are not direct financial advice, so consult with your financial team before making any decisions based on the topics discussed in this show. Welcome back to Cashflow Legends. I am stoked to be here with my two dudes, Brock and Nate. We're going to be talking about generational wealth. And I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things that I get to do daily is when I am talking to a husband and wife, no matter their age, and they have children. Or I'm talking to grandparents and their kids and their kids' kids. And we get to start talking about how does this infinite banking process, mindset, shift in thinking, apply generationally? So we're going to spend some time today really breaking down some success stories. What's the role of each family member? How does insurance work? And have a really good time talking about generational planning. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but I feel like a lot of times people are hesitant to even think that far into the future because it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's not talked about often in their circles. And here's just the truth. 80% of people do what everybody else does to fit in, even if it's not going to benefit them. That is just the cold, hard facts. And that might be being conservative. So Nate, you get to have a ton of conversations on the front side in regard to infinite banking, family banking, kind of start us off with what are some of your favorite things that you get to discuss in this realm or maybe even a, an actual experience you've had recently related to this? All right. I'm going to try to stay on track here um, because you you didn't know this. I didn't say this, uh, but when we hopped on here, you got a shirt on that says Gather on it. Yep, now, I do. And I didn't notice it until when we just started recording. So uh, a little fun fact, Gatlinburg, Tennessee was my dad's favorite place to, out of all the places in the country. Gatlinburg, Tennessee was his favorite. Hmm. My dad passed away in 2012 from cancer. My dad had a life insurance policy in place that took care of my mom where if it wasn't for that life insurance policy, we would have been trying to figure out how she was going to survive because he brought home 80 to 90% of the household income. Um, instead, we got to make, make very practical decisions for my mom. And, um, yeah, this was before we, kn we knew anything about infinite banking. So we probably would have done some things different now, but you know, we, we got rid of all of her debt. You know, she was completely debt free. She had plenty of money left over that if she wanted to retire, she could have at that time. Um, she enjoyed what she did. So she decided to continue working. So I say all that to say the foundation of everything, the, the starting point for everything that we should be focused on in our financial life should be protection first, because that is what creates freedom for us to then go plan and create and build and, and all those things. But if we don't start from a place of protection first, then we are doing ourselves a massive disservice because if my dad would have said, Oh, I don't, I don't, you know, I got, I got all these years ahead of me to create enough income and build enough. He, he was a business owner. So I got enough time to build up my business to a point where my family's going to be taken care of. Everything's going to be great. 
our family would have been wrecked if it wouldn't have been for that life insurance policy. Because not only did it take care of my mom, but it also took care of our business, our family business at the time. And so what we see and, and, you know, it's, it's our philosophy as well is we want to make sure that we have satisfied the protection piece in our life so that we can make better plans for how we want to, um, how we want to grow, you know, how we want to enjoy the things that we create. That was pretty incredible. Uh, answer there nate i didn't i, I had no idea where you're going with gatlinburg there for a second. i was so lost brock i'm like how is he going to connect this but that was awesome being being from nashville i've actually i went to gatlinburg once and it was to play in the in the minor league stadium that they have there but i've never actually been to gatlinburg and i don't think i have ever even had the desire to go so i'm glad that you guys have you like doing that from an out of out of state uh position so with that being said, Brandon, what was the original question? So a lot of people don't realize the power of infinite banking and how the process, the life process ties, ties into family planning and generational planning. So, yeah. you know, really just kind of tie us into when you hear those points, you know, simplify it and make it a, create a really good foundation for anybody listening to go, oh, OK, that makes sense. How do I continue to apply this and why is it important for my family and long range thinking? Yeah. So when we think about um, generational planning and implementing, you know, these high cash value life insurance policies with the infinite, infinite banking concept, but first understand that, you know, this is life insurance. So it has a death benefit to it. It is going to live when you're no longer here. And I like how um, one of the attorneys that I do a lot of work with, Name's Andrew Howell with York Cowan Associates. He wrote a book called Entrusted. It's, an, it's a fantastic book. But he talks about generational planning being like how they built the Golden Gate Bridge. They didn't start from one end and just went all the way to the one, one side. They started on both sides and built them to join together. And I think that's how generational planning needs to work. But from a foundational aspect of wealth planning, and this is how I look at everything. This is how I was taught to look at everything is we all run on two parallel paths. Our first path is the protection path, and that deals with the type, the amount, and then the positioning of that uh, protection, and that deals with liability, disability, and death. Right? And we're talking about death here for legacy. And then that second path is the wealth accumulation path, short-term, long-term capital needs, buying cars, houses, ultimately retirement, financial freedom, whatever that might, that might be. But the reason that we're on these two paths is because of the way money works over time, right? For us to have an impact in our wealth, that usually happens in those later years, right? For the compounding of, of money and, and all the other time value of money factors. The only problem with that curve is the fact that none of us have a God-given right to that curve, mm. right? For that curve to work out, for that curve to materialize, our wealth accumulation curve to materialize, everything has to go right in our world, right? Everything. But when you flip it and you think about how many things have to go wrong for that curve not to materialize, the answer is one, right? Mm -hmm. Nate was just talking about it a second ago. Of if, if that life insurance policy wasn't there, his family would have been wrecked. The same is true in everybody's financial life. Most people just don't think about it like that. They think of protection. 
their protection path as just being a necessary evil. Well, when you take a step back and you actually realize that protection is there for your productivity, for you to be a producer in this world, then everything changes because now you get to live a life of maximum abundance of saying, hey, I know if things go wrong, my plan is going to work out under any of these circumstances. So when I'm thinking about generational planning and, and family planning, when it comes into implementing these infinite banking policies, it's high cash value life insurance policies is we have a massive uh, benefit with the cash values and how we use it for assets. But on the back end, when we have this death benefit, we're able to protect our legacy and increasing the probability of our wealth accumulation curve to materialize. Yeah, I really like that. Increasing the probability and decreasing and potentially eliminating the risk of living until we don't and how that affects the people once we're gone. And, you know, there's something that uh, I ask a lot and I got it from your dad, Brock. Okay. And it's going to segue us into the role of a father in financial planning. Okay. Now I want to be very clear here on occasion, wives and mothers and women come to us first, but 95% of the time from my journey so far, it's the dads that come to us and go, Hey, I want to really think through this. And it's because when you really get down to the root of it, it's legacy, it's heritage. They may not define it that way. They may not say it that way, but when you really spend some time with each other, that's what it is. I want to be sure like Nate's dad, that my family is not left in a lurch panicking when they are dealing with a emotional time that's going to take a lot of grieving, that money is not another stressor. Because if anybody has ever been grieving before and there's no money, and we get to unfortunately interact with people who've experienced this, it is a very scary place to be. Okay. So the death benefit is vital whether you understand infinite banking or not. Even if somebody said, I could care less about infinite banking, I would implore them if they trusted me and asked my opinion to be sure they get guaranteed coverage for the guaranteed event of death. Because like we say often, you're going to live until you don't. And I read a statement from Morgan Freeman the other day. He goes, everybody goes to bed thinking they're going to wake up tomorrow. But that's not the reality. People don't wake up the next day all the time. So we have to put things in place. So the role of a father and in financial planning is so powerful. I believe biblically, it's very clear what we're called to do as a father. It's very clear we're supposed to take care of our people, think well beyond our own nose. And it's really tied into stewardship. And as a dad, I'll speak first. When I know that my family will never have to grieve without the peace of mind of how money can allow them to grieve for as long as they want. That is freeing on a level that is really hard to articulate. It's hard to understand if you're not a dad yet, but if you've had a good dad like Brock has, you get that. Okay. You get the power of that. So it frees you up. So let's talk about the importance of financial stewardship from the role of the father and maybe share any insights you guys see on the, Sometimes that light bulb doesn't come off of me, doesn't go on immediately. Okay. But sometimes it does for a dad and they go, Oh, I can do what I was going to do anyway and have protection guaranteed. So talk about that a little bit. So we were at a conference several months ago um, where I got to meet a guy who's become a friend of mine named Scott Donnell. And he's the co-author of value creation. 
and also uh, founded the Gravy Stack app for kids, which is the first banking app for kids. Uh, really cool, uh, really cool app, really cool service that they're providing and the way they're educating kids. But something he said in his talk, um, and he said, and he reiterates it a lot in his book and every, and, you know, in his talks is don't leave your family a, an inheritance, leave your family a heritage. And that hit me so hard because we like the idea of being able to leave something to our kids, but if there's no education that comes along with the money, then we're going to find ourselves in the same situation that many wealthy families have found themselves in, in in years past, where by the third generation, the money's gone because the education did not come with it. And so it's extremely important for us in the things that we're learning that we pass those on to our kids. You know, I've, I've told my, my two boys many times, if you will listen to me. If you will apply the things that I'm trying to teach you, you will automatically be better than 99% of the people your age. You will, you will have a, you will be a step ahead of nearly everyone around you. If you will just listen and apply these things. They and do so, that all the time. You know, they, start- they listen to you immediately, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah, yeah right. i have four kids too so um, i'm sure brock always listened to his dad and all well i mean all i'm just saying i'm a son so i remember the things that my mom and dad used to tell me and how many times they had to tell me over and over and over again so i have to remind myself of that as a parent now that hey I, like i think back on some of the stuff i did when i was in school and like I was a knucklehead, like my kids, if if my kids did some of the stuff I did when I was in school, they would be grounded for six months. Like, like just at anyways, I don't want to get off on that, but um, <laughs> there's, I am, I am extremely blessed to, to have the kids that I have, uh, when when I look at how my behavior as a kid, but when I also look at the behavior of the kids around them, um, I'm unbelievably grateful for uh, my kids and the, the caliber uh, that they are. the The thing that I'm most excited about uh, being a parent first is making sure that they know Jesus, which I've had the the rare privilege uh, I'm in, I'm in a very small minority of men in America who have been able to baptize all four of their kids. Um, I, I was just privileged to be a part of that. So that's the most important thing. Um, but second from that, like, it, you know, it's about loving Jesus. It's about loving your family and it's about understanding how money works, you know, in that order. Loving Jesus, loving your family, and understanding how money works. Those are the heritage pieces that I want to continue on in my bloodline. That was pretty good. Um, Very good. <laughs> I would agree with every single statement of that. Of The first is knowing and loving Jesus, and then 
pouring that into others. And then, you know, money can come later. Um, and there's a cool story I can probably get into at, a, at another time of that. But when it comes, the original question that you were asking is like, when it comes to stewardship and the role of a father in, a, in, in, a, um, in the finances, one of the very cool things is, you know, one, we were called to be good stewards of the things that we were given. And, and once we have the perspective of the fact that everything that we have was given to us, it wasn't, it's not, none of this is on our own accord. It is all given to us. And once we have that thought process, everything becomes a little bit easier because now it's kind of like, hey, I'm showing up and I need to give my best because, you know, this isn't mine. I, I need to treat the things that I was given with the utmost, utmost respect and in my best ability. And when it comes to um, the father's role and you talking a lot about legacy and passing on, not just monetary wealth, but also the other things that come along with it, like knowledge of the finances, your core values, how you view money, how you view handling other people. Um, I've been blessed um, not only with having my dad in, in my life and his role in the finance world and how he has uh, done an incredible job in that arena and, and helped push people forward, but I've also been surrounded by some other people because of that. Um, again, one of them being uh, Andrew Howell and their team, um, York Howell and Associates. They created a program called Coronology um, that I would hope that, I think we're gonna have them on the show later, but you know, as they build out your estate plan, one of the things that they want to walk you through is, hey, we're going to pass on your wealth. That's the easy part. The part that we have to really work on is how do you transfer your core values, your your way of living, how you look at the world so that this money does not disappear by the third generation, right? And another um, fun fun book to read on this is Garrett Gunderson's What Would the Rockefellers Do? Or what it's called now today of uh, What Would Billionaires Do? And through that book, you can you can see, you know, what's going on, the family constitutions and, and how they're building out uh, their processes to say, hey, I'm going to give you this money. But when you get this money, here's how it should, here's how you should look at it. Here's your mindset around what's going on. Um, and I think that, as fathers, and I'm not a father, I can only see those of those, well, my own father and then those around me. And it's been, it's been fun to watch and understand the legacy pieces of, um, like, for example, one of my business partners, um, I'm working with his son, but also him at the same time. And it's always fun to see and have conversations when we're alone with each other that, you know, if I'm with the father, he's going to be talking about, hey, when we are doing these things, I want to make sure that they're set up correctly. Everything's going to be taken care of, but this is what I'm teaching him. It's always, hey, this is good, but here's what I'm teaching him and how this is working. And I'm excited what you're doing with my son and how we're growing. And then going to the son and, and hearing his perspective of, hey, here's how we're building so that I can receive what I'm being given. So I think, you know, as a father... It's, it's imperative that you get your finances in order and it's super easy. We just make it a lot harder than it needs to be because it takes a little bit of discipline and getting up and actually doing a little bit of work. 
but it's pretty easy to get the baseline aspects in there. And once you get those in place, everything else is going to come down to you of how are you going to pass it on? What are you going to share? How are the values going to go from one generation to the next? And when the next generation takes them, how are they going to help? Um, I don't know if evolve is the right word, but how are they going to customize it to their own life and in the changing economy in the world that we live in to know that, hey, we received something, but now we even have the opportunity to make it even better than what it was before. I'm going to make a statement that may ruffle a few feathers. So dads, men, listen up. I'm doing this on purpose. If you are living a life right now as a dad where you say, or a hopeful dad one day, or a lead or a man, and you say, I don't care if I leave my kids with anything, they're going to figure it out on their own. Shame on you. Because what you're really doing is giving yourself a pass to not be a leader in your household. It's as simple as that. That's from love. I've been in a place where I haven't led before. And I thank goodness I have a God who gives me grace and I have a wife who holds me accountable and I have people who pray for me. That's not a judgmental statement because I've been there. The thing that we are here on this earth as fathers to do is lead our children. They are the greatest blessing we are given and they are the greatest opportunity to impact this world for good beyond us. And the power of that is this. So this is a way that I ask, asked this question twice yesterday, two men, fathers, good men. I said, forget about infinite banking. Forget about what you think, you know, I'm going to ask a simple question. If you jump off this earth tomorrow, if the good Lord takes you off this earth or you become disabled, which is more likely than dying early. Okay. Will your, how long do you want your income and how much to go to your family? So one particular dad said, well, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. We have five kids, and I'd really like it to be my entire income for as long as possible. It's like, believe it or not, every man I've ever talked to says that. So then I asked this, can you say with certainty that that is going to happen? And the answer is always, well, uh, no. So I'm going to go back to what Brogda said. And this is encouragement for all our dads listening and men and guys who want to lead. It's not that hard to get that part of your financial house in order. It literally takes just a little bit of commitment of your time to slow down enough to figure out how that works. It's pretty simple in the grand scheme of things like Brock said. So then you ask a dad or a father or a man, hey, would you like to be able to say that that's the case? And every one of them says yes. So I believe by... All of the conversations we've had, which is probably in the thousands between all three of us and the people we're connected to, men have an innate desire to provide and protect and lead. No matter where they are right now, when you ask them that question, they all say the same thing. Absolutely. How freeing would that be? And that's basically what dad, Nate's dad did. Although he didn't understand infinite banking, he said, I want to be sure that my family is provided for, for when I do jump off this earth because it's going to always happen sooner than we probably want. So let's kind of really bring that thought process into kind of the nuts and bolts of the power of compounding interest, which we've heard forever in the traditional world. And I'm going to go ahead and say there's some half truths about compounding interest out there, but let's bring it into the power of compounding interest and the product we th that we typically use, which is whole life 
to capture that insurability? And how does that really have an impact for current generations, uh, sons and daughters, and how all that works together and what's really exciting about that? So the miracle of compounding interest, um, when you really study it, uh, you know, we use the example, uh, you know, created an educational course for infinite banking. And one of the examples that we used, uh, it's something often is example of a penny. Would you rather have a million dollars a day or would you rather have, rather have a penny doubled every 30 days or every day for the next 30 days? And really um, telling about that scenario when you actually look at the numbers is it's not until day 28 until things start to become really substantial. So there's a whole lot of buildup to that power of compounding interest. That's when our money is sitting. That's when it's stagnant. And the only, the only thing that can move it forward when it's sitting somewhere stagnant, when it's not in motion, is whatever interest it's gaining. But like I said, that buildup, that that exponential curve is something that takes a long time to, to build up. What I really love about the infinite banking process is because we are allowing our money to sit in a more efficient environment, than if it was just sitting in a bank or, or something like that where it was stagnant, is as we're putting money into it, we're putting money into a system that has flow to it, where it's giving the dollars that we're putting into it strength behind those dollars because of the ability to leverage those dollars in other places. So we keep pressure and constant momentum on our money to grow and we can simultaneously go create value outside of that system through, um, you know, if we're you know making a major purchase or something like that, that we would have paid cash for, where we're actually able to create a net positive outcome for ourselves if we do it the right way and we process the 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 concept of being your own bank, um, or if we put it into some sort of cash flow producing asset where it's going to create a return, but also simultaneously the return that we're creating inside of our system gives those dollars multiple returns, Um, which when you can create multiple returns on dollars in environments that you have more control over, over chasing some compounding return that may or may not occur, that's a very, very powerful process. And that's what's going to give you the certainty and control that you need and that most people desire so that they can operate with a certain level of freedom in their life where they're not just crossing their fingers, just hoping it's going to work out the way the broker, the the way the financial guy said it was going to work out because of um, past performance of the stock market or something like that or past performance of any class. Uh, the stable asset class on the planet based on the track record is whole life insurance. The whole life insurance industry is the most stable asset, uh, most stable industry on the planet. When you look back through all the depressions and recessions and everything that we've had in the past, and they were still maintaining profitability through those really, really tough years in the economy. And there were banks that were just, 
tightening up and not even lending money at that time. And whole life insurance companies were still able to loan those dollars out and pay dividends to their customers and things like that. So the question, Brandon, was around the miracle of compound interest, right? Yep, and, and starting young. And starting young. So there are a lot of people out there that say the miracle of compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, which I probably wouldn't agree, but it's a good statement. And the reason why we have to start early is because when you look at a, um, and I'll walk through a mathematical sequence here, and then if you want, you can either go try it on your own or send us an email and I will walk you through how it works. So if you looked at um, a compound interest curve, uh, exponential curve, over the course of, call it, you know, 30 years, what you would see is in the first 10 years, nothing really happens, right? You're just, your money's not earning money yet. It's just, you're putting money in and it's just kind of growing, okay? Then the next 10 years, eh, you know, it's a little bit better. And then the next five years is pretty good. But then the next five years is even better. And what you see is in the last like five years of this compound curve, it produces more than the first 10 to 15 years that you were that you had the money in there. But what a lot of people don't understand, and this is going to get into a rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down today, so let me preface that, is this whole notion of, oh, well, you're young, you can risk it, you've got time to earn it back. That is the dumbest statement or one of the dumbest statements you could ever tell somebody. Because what you do not realize is if you are young and you lose 10%, because you're young and you can earn it back. You don't lose that 10% this year. You lose that 10% this year and then every year moving forward. And that loss that you have on your account also goes in what we call the nightmare of compound interest because you lose it and you don't get it back. But when you wait, what happens when you wait to start your compound curve, it doesn't take money out of the beginning years, what it does is it takes money off the back end years, the years that are the most important. And so there is an importance of starting early and when you're young. But if you're going to start early and young, what I would tell you is you should probably start more conservative. If you can lock in at a very young age, guaranteed growth at three, four, five percent, the likelihood of most life expectancies, I think, is like 82, 80, 86 somewhere in there, you're probably going to be in a pretty good position as you get older. And one of the things that you need to always keep in mind is the guy with the longest time horizon always wins. And if you can begin to think in a viewpoint of uh, long time horizons rather than, oh, well, I just need this amount of money so I can spend it on this thing by the time I'm 25 years old or whatever, your, your, your wealth path is going to drastically change. So you touched on a lot of really good hot topics, if you will. I think the same thing often when I hear compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world because you can't unsee what you've seen. You can't unlearn the new things you learn. I will often say, well, okay, if that's true, it isn't. But if that's true, then uninterrupted compounding interest is the ninth wonder of the world. Easily. Easily. And really should replace number eight and kick it out because it's a half truth to sell products. Yeah, it's a half so, it's a half truth because the math 
in what we've talked about before is money is not math and math is not money. And a lot of people want to say that Albert Einstein said that, you know, mm -hmm. this stuff about the miracle of compound interest. He was talking about numbers. He wasn't talking about money. And so yep. if you go, if you were to do this math, and this is the math sequence that I was talking about, if you put $10,000 into an account and let's say you run it for 30 years and let's say you get 10% average rate of return, we're not even going to get into the fact that average and actual are completely different. But if you put in there 10% or 10,000 over 30 years earning 10% and all you do is you just add that 1% fee that, oh, we're not taking that much. We only make money when you make money, that type stuff, 1% fee. What you'll find is that that miracle of compound interest really gets not fun very quickly. Uh -huh. And that 1% that they talk about, oh, we're just 1%. That 1%, if I remember the calculation correctly, is over a quarter of your portfolio value. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay somebody to manage it because some people need that to be managed. However, you need to understand how to get around those and fight against those because like in the beginning, miracle of compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And if you can get it uninterrupted, it's going to be even better. So you, you really alluded to, and I'll circle back to the, the legacy and the being a, you know, a father and the financial planning, a big part of what we love getting to do every day is connect with people who are already starting to go, Hmm, what I thought I knew seems to have some holes in it and it's not adding up. The math is not mathing. I'm not where they say I should be. And because the greatest opportunity to grow or the most costly thing that will affect your growth is not seeking knowledge and applying that knowledge. And so when we really talk about these things, I thought it was fascinating, Nate. I think it is around the 28th day, give or take on that penny doubling example. I'm going to I'm gonna make a connection here that I thought was really cool. Most people say it takes 28 days to form a new habit. It takes consistency and thought process and diligence to create discipline in an area that you want to get better at, whether it be working out, how you eat, running, walking, reading every day, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Well, your money is no different. If you can't tell it what to do consistently, it's going to do what everybody else tells it to do that benefits them first. Because money goes to the person that treats it the best. Simple as that. So I always love what Nelson said in Becoming Your Own Banker about this pool of money. Now, we won't get into the details of how much the government has printed over the last several years, but there's always a certain amount of money today that somebody will always have. You know, it doesn't just disappear when it goes out of our pocket. And I think a lot of people think that way. Well, I got what I wanted. So who cares where it went? Who cares what the opportunity was that was lost on it? Like you're alluding to Brock, you know, and I really liked your point there. You're not saying that we shouldn't have someone manage our portfolio. There might be a reason or a benefit for that. But can you say why? Or can you efficiently go, I know I have this opportunity or this opportunity. Which one do I like better? Which one benefits me more? If you can't answer those questions, I mean, that's really what being taken advantage of means. You don't know why something's happening, but you're continuing to allow it to happen, even if it's not good for you. And I was one of those people for 15 years. 
I could not explain to you what was going on in my IRAs, my 401ks, my retirement plans. I just, all I knew was there's a lot of money leaving my life every month that I have no benefit from that I hope I live to, to use again. I knew and that. Brandon, I would add like what you're saying there is, is not, you have to know every investment that it's in. You have to know every fee, every dollar to the cent of what's yep. going on. Yep. You just need to know what the basics are. Yeah. Because believe it or not, most people don't understand the basics of what's going on. Understand what's going on with your money when it goes in. Mm -hmm. Understand what's going on with your money while it's in there. And then understand what's going on with your money when you pull it out. Yep. Yeah. If, uh, if, we, if us three sat down to play a board game against each other and it was new to Nate and I, but Brock had been playing it for 10 years, Nate and I are immediately at a disadvantage because Brock has been living and knowing the rules of the game for 10 years and we're just being introduced to it. So what Brock's saying is know the rules of the game and how to play the rules to your advantage, which is what we love to get to do every day. So transitioning into kids and thinking long-term, one of the simplest things I get to do daily with any parents who want to implement the infinite making mindset and process and life journey is they'll always ask, well, I've got this money over here in this um, educational plan for my child. And I want to emphasize something. Nate, Brock, myself, never tell anybody what to do. We show you the facts or the rules of the game, which normally goes this way. Your money can go here and here's the rules, or your money can go here and here's the rules. Which one do you like better? And when you do that with educational plans or many other plans, it, it, the parent comes away with an easy decision. Almost always. They're like, well, why would I do that and give up this, this, and this when I can do this and gain this, this, and this? So I was talking to two parents last night who wanted to start policies on their young or their older children. And their whole premise, which I love, was we're going to fund this basically to the point to where every dollar that goes in when we give it to them is more than a dollar with the education and impact that this will provide for the rest of their life. I'm like, man, what an awesome mindset. And I believe passionately that if every person we ever interacted with started with that in regard to their kids, let's get it across that, that line of every dollar that goes in will be more than a dollar. And let's teach them with, mindset and how they think about how they can use this to be impactful in their, in their purpose. That's a game changer. So maybe share a story, each of you to kind of tidy this off that you've seen that happen at any level, legacy planning and beyond that you really like, maybe one of your favorites. I think, you know, one of my favorites is, um, this was back in, in 2020, you know, we had a, a client who came to us and was working a W2 job, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But, you know, one of the things that he shared with me was, man, I just, I want to do more. Um, I'm kind of at a place where I'm, I'm kind of capped at how much further I can move up in the company unless I'm willing to um, transfer and pick up my family, move them across the country, whatever, like where I'm at, I'm, I'm kind of stuck. And so I gave him some different ideas on things that he can do. And within about six months of him working with us, um, you know, applying the infinite banking process, 
and then also doing those other things, um, he not only became completely debt free, which at the time he had 21 and a half years left on his mortgage. Um, so within about six, six, yeah, about six months, um, he became completely debt free and he had actually left his job and was making more money with this new project, you know, with this new business that he had created from some ideas that had given him. Um, so the thing that I, I love so much about that story is whenever, anytime uh, you and I have the privilege, you know who I'm talking about. Anytime we have the privilege of talking to Adam, he's just always like, man, like I, I don't even know where I'd be without you guys. Um, because now I get to be very intentional about how I spend my time with my family. And now I get to decide when we're going to go somewhere and where we're going to go and, and things like that. Like I, I get to make decisions that I never thought I'd be able to make as a father. They, they were decisions I, I hoped one day that I was going to be able to make, but I didn't have any direction or any clear path on how I was ever going to accomplish those things. And this is something that's become more and more um, relevant just lately with some things that I've been working on and uh, probably a new new program that I'm going to be bringing out in the near future. We think about things, we have ideas about places and, and where we want to be and everything like that. But until we write those things down, they never really become tangible. Um, and, and, and it's crazy how just the simple act of writing something down can change your mindset because as long as it's just in our mind, then it's just, a, it's just kind of a whim idea. It's like, uh, you know, whatever. But the moment we write it down, there's something that changes. There's a transition that takes place where now we, there's some meat behind the idea. There's actually, and it's just the intentional act of putting it on paper. And I can't really explain exactly why that happens, but uh, Jim Rohn said, when I meet a man who doesn't have his goals written down, I usually get his bank account within a few hundred dollars. So favorite story around legacy? Yeah. I have a few. One that uh, is quick so we can wrap up here is uh, there was a uh, gentleman that I'm trying to think who told me this story. I think it was I think it was my 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 dad. Um, where this person with their generational planning, what they ended up doing was every year I believe on their birthday or holiday they would send a card to every single descendant of his with $5 that just said, Hey, I just want you to know that you came from something and that you're loved. And to me, I'm like, man, $5. If I would, if, if I had that from an, from an ancestor, I guess you'd call them cause they could be that far back. That just sent $5 every year on your birthday. Just said, Hey, I want you to know you came from something and I love you. Like that would be fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's probably not that. I mean, 
you know, if you have a million dollar death benefit, five dollars, that'll probably go for a long time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a uh, it's this powerful thing that when we start understanding the rules of the game and getting our money to do what it will allow us to do what we are called to do, we can start thinking creatively with those kind of examples. How can I impact well beyond just me? And we have to really, you know, realize that that's possible first. You got to believe it first. And if you don't believe it, then we're not going to be able to to do anything for you. Because uh, the Brandon, way we described it. To... Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think it's safe to say uh, for for all three of us sitting here, if it wasn't for this process that we teach, you, know, you wouldn't be sitting here. Like it, oh, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for this process that was introduced to us that we implemented in our lives, we wouldn't be sitting here. So, you know, we are examples of those great legacy planning stories because we get to do things and um, be a part of things and make decisions for our family that you know we wouldn't be a part of otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point, Nate. Uh, I've really been describing it to people this way. We help you see what's really going on. You decide what you want to do with what's really going on. And, but once you tell me you're ready to go do what you want to do, you're giving me permission to lock arms with you and drag you up the hill to it until you say, nope, I changed my mind. I'm out. Or you say, get me there as fast as possible. That is much different than the majority of anything else that is out there. And that's what separates us. And I say that with all humility and pride that we do things different because we care far more about you living your purpose with money is maybe the accelerator or the opportunity creator than anything else. It's just a tool. We show you how to use it in a way that will benefit you and generations to come. So uh, I think that's a good, a good place for us to, uh, to end today. It's been very impactful. Dads, I hope it encouraged you. Men, I hope it encouraged you. Wives, I hope it encourages you to share the podcast with your husband if he isn't listening to this. And uh, until we see you on the next one, have a blessed day.